I'm a zombie. I've been bitten. You're listening to the survival podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me as always is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? I've never been more happy to own a chainsaw in my life. Yeah, uh, a strategically placed chainsaw never uh, uh, never disappoints, is what we'll say. Uh, unfortunately, my my chainsaw is not as big as big as the one in the movie we were about to talk about tonight. That's right. Yeah, it's a pretty big chainsaw. That's like an industrial chainsaw. Um, but chainsaws come in all sizes. Some you can fit on the uh, on your arm after you've lost a, a hand. But that's not the Evil Dead movie we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the newest Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rise. Lou, it's not Rise of the Evil Dead, although that could be no. If, if, if for those who had, did not get to hear our pre-show banter, I told Ryan that I keep thinking, to, wanting to call this movie Rise of the Evil Dead, and then going, "Oh no, it's Evil Dead Rise." Like I feel like they missed out on something. Yeah, although uh, I'll say this: they they nailed that uh, that title intro, uh, and yes, I, they. Just amazing. So, the the only thing I will say too, uh, the spoiler uh, for our our conversation, I, I feel like the throwback at the end of the movie was kind of lame. The yeah, okay, you know, I I kind of I I thought the book ending was uh, was interesting. It was okay. It yeah. was okay, but it wasn't great. Yeah, it's uh, I I mean, you can feel the Hulu-ness of it, because this was supposed to be a Hulu digital movie release only. It wasn't supposed to go to theaters. And I think uh, some of that the, stuck uh, around. That, that, uh, is that what the plan was in Canada? Because that's not the plan I heard here in America. It was supposed this to was be a direct to, to or maybe not Hulu, it's um, HBO Max. It was supposed to be a streaming release. And was it, it got really? shifted. Yeah, yeah. It was. It got upgraded, unlike uh, other HBO Max stuff where it got never to be seen again, <laughs> canned, if you will. But no, this was supposed to be an HBO Max uh, thing, um, and uh, and they upgraded it. So uh, it, I think it has a bit of that still. You can you can feel it in it. Um, I'm just trying to. Yeah, it was supposed to be. So a film originally set to premiere on the streaming service HBO Max, but distributor opted to release a film theatrically first after positive test screenings. And I can see that. Like, there's a lot going no, I, for I, it. I, I kind of wish I had gone to the theater to see this, but like the cards just didn't align up for me. By the time I was free to go see it, it was already out of theaters because things don't stay more than like two weeks. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, and we will talk about Evil Dead Rise. Um uh, in a little bit, we do have a little bit of news to get to, so let's chat about that. The virus has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. All right, Lou, first up, uh, Lollipop Chainsaw Repop 
has been delayed to next summer. This is the, uh, I want to say remake, but I believe it's a remaster of the original Lollipop Chainsaw. Um, it'll have, uh, I think this, what was interesting about this is this is a game that had a lot of licensed music. And um, because of that, when those licenses ran out and the company that made the game probably no longer exists, um, it, it just got pulled from all existing stores so that to, to get a hold of it you were either um you either buy a, a physical copy or have owned it previously uh but it was supposed to be remade and coming out in 2023 that was their intention but now it's been delayed to make sure they have the best possible quality experience for our players so is this one that you played when it originally came out? I know we've talked nope. about it before. Oh, okay. I've never played it, but when I went to PAX, they always had a huge booth for it the first couple of years it was out. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I never played it either. And some famous cosplayer dressed up as the main character for a while. Yeah. And that she was at she was at all their conventions as the, their booth girl. Yes, yes, yeah, for sure. It was a big deal, Like I think, when it came out. And, I mean, written by James Gunn. A lot of uh, 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 licensed music. If I had known that back in the day, which I didn't know it was written by James Gunn, I probably would have played it just for that alone. Yeah. But this was before he had done kind of... Well, I uh, knew who he was before he had done Guardians. I knew who he was before he did the Dawn of the Dead remake as the writer. Mm. I was familiar with him from his trauma days. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it would have been 2012, and I was wrong. It's uh, the developer's Grasshopper Manufacturer, uh, which yep. still exists to this day. It's a Suda51 uh, yep. game. I was going to say, I thought it was a Suda51 studio. Yeah, yeah. So, But uh, Kata, Katakawa Games, which is the publisher, the original publisher uh, in Japan, uh, their successor is Dragami Games, which is is doing the remaster. Um, when this one comes out, I'll play it because honestly, it was one of those ones that uh, I I missed. Yeah, like I remember it being a game like it was it was it was right around the same time I think like Stubbs the Zombie was out and and you know zombie horror games zom- zombie the zombie genre in general was kind of like exploding because like Walking Dead was like you know at its peak. Yeah, uh, uh, Left for Dead was kind of at its peak. Yes. Yep. Left for Dead. Uh, it's crazy. And I mean, for it to come back, I think, I think it's kind of the best when you look at a lot of these remasters and remakes, you wonder like, okay, is this a cash grab? Is this a publisher trying to renew, um, you know, get you to buy this game again. But this is this specific example, I think is a really good use of doing a remaster or a remake because legit, you cannot get the game because of the way it was made and the way it was licensed and it just like kind of ceases to exist. And I think when you do a remaster and you're able to kind of like look at the experience, bring it onto current consoles and PC and relicense music or shift some music around. Cause I, I, I think they had said they might have to change some of the soundtrack just based on, um, their uh, budget. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, uh, it, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to play it. I've never played it before. I, I, I don't even know like what your options are these days to, 
to play it. it I don't even think it came to PC. It was a it was a console. It was only a play. it was a 360 and PS3 exclusive, I believe. Yeah, it never came to PC, and I believe this version is coming to PC. Yes, I I believe you're correct. And honestly, the news that we linked was uh from Go Nintendo. That's where I saw it. So it's also coming to Switch. So it's it's literally coming to everything. Uh, you'll be able to play it on on your consoles and your PC, uh, but not until summer 2024. Um, but something you'll be able to play on all your consoles as well. Although I don't know if Lou and I will be playing this one. We kind of talked a bit pre-show, kind of gut checked on this. But um, Lou, how do you feel about a $50 Walking Dead uh, What If simulator on PC and consoles where you can reshape the story of seasons one through four of AMC's The Walking Dead? Does that inspire you? No. <laughs> Okay, well, you know what? Yeah, that's a look like. So The Walking Dead Destinies was announced uh, a couple weeks ago, and this is a PC and console game. And the trailer kind of shows off um, a bit of action gameplay. But the core concept here is that you're going to be able to change critical uh, choices from the first four seasons. So like one of the ones they kind of highlight is uh, who dies, Rick or Shane, you know, um, who does Shane stay with Lori, that sort of stuff. And, but the thing for me is I couldn't get past was, was the graphics and Lou and I, you, you talked, we talked about this earlier and you nailed it. So I don't want to take credit for this, but like you, you kind of, you kind of nailed like what it felt like these graphics were kind of going for. It, It looks like a mobile phone game that was in development, and then halfway through they went, yeah, this isn't going to work on mobile phones. What are we going to do? Well, we'll just port it to PC and consoles. Skip the mobile phone thing. Let's just give it controller controls, and let's send it to send it to PC. And, uh, oh, and w- if we do that, we won't have to sell it for $9.99. We could sell it for $50. Bucks. Yep, 100%. That's exactly, when you said that, I was like, 100%. This looks like, and there are a lot of Walking Dead uh, mobile games. And that's what this kind of looks like. It looks like they've kind of have that mobile look, and then it's zoomed in for for certain cinematic action and stuff. And um, yeah, it's going to be coming out this fall. uh, And it's going to be out on uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. And I I think the concept is a cool idea. I I would honestly rather see It's honestly it's a neat idea. I just don't know if it's an idea anybody wants. That's kind of what they keep doing with these Walking Dead games. Is they even with the Telltale stuff. I liked the first two or three seasons of Telltale, but then when they realized what the gimmick was, they like overdid the gimmick. You know what I mean? They could have wrapped yeah. up the the Walking Dead Telltale telltale in like three three seasons but instead they said no we got to milk it for all it's worth let's get five six seasons out of it and i just feel like that seems to be what they keep doing is they they have neat ideas i just don't know if the neat idea they have is worth 50 bucks no it's not worth uh in my mind looking at what we have here i don't think it's worth 50 bucks now if you get a sale or um i could see it being like you know, under 20, it's hard to tell. I don't think there's any voice acting. Um, it certainly is not going to have the talent from the show. Uh, so for 50 bucks, it better have some voice acting. Uh, yeah. I mean, it might have sound alikes. I, I honestly, I'm not too sure. 
but it sounds like a neat concept, but I would honestly rather see AMC make a what if of their own in like a television or an animated series, similar to what Disney's done with their what if, uh, their Marvel what if. I'd rather see that. And then you can bring back past characters with VO and not worry about them looking older, even though they died a decade ago in the show. So I, I think that would be more interesting, more up my alley. But uh, it, you're right. This game kind of came out of nowhere and honestly was weird because like there was an we talked about another Walking Dead game last episode that was announced. So it feels it feels like this is we're getting to the Warhammer territory of like licensing for Walking Dead, this new video game every two weeks. <laughs> so uh, but it's not for us. I, I think it's 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 part of the merchandise marketing deals and just there will be more of these um uh probably uh one more story here and keeping with the video game uh i just realized this is all three are video game stories we've talked about this game before it is uh the game previously known as the day before but due to some licensing issues they have to change their name uh but it looks like they are settled on a new name. This is not official just yet, but it looks like they're going to call it Day World. They actually put in a trademark, a copyright for this one this time, um, because they didn't before, and that's what got them in hot water. But the game is supposed to be releasing November 10th. This is a you know um, zombie MMO open world experience that that uh, a lot of people are looking forward to. A lot of people are accusing the developer of not being real. Um, then the developer says, like, no, no, this is real. So, Lou, like, are you excited that we might be seeing more of this very soon? I'm curious to see what it is. I don't think it's going to be for me because they're saying it's an MMO and I don't do MMOs. But I, it's something I'd be happy to watch somebody else play and at yeah. least get an idea for it. Yeah, I'm... Uh... You and I are in the same boat when it comes to MMOs. Um, it's it's it, I don't have time for it. Uh, that's that's the core struggle that I that I deal with when it comes to MMOs. However, like um, I think a, a, a zombie MMO would be really interesting. Uh, I think that this would be really cool to try. My gripe with MMOs in general is when I play a game, I need to know it has an end. Yes. If I have to, if it's something that I need to re-log into and pay a monthly fee and re-log into every couple of weeks to do a quest or do a thing or whatever, then it begins to feel like a job to me and it th- that stops being fun. So I also, I am also a very anti-social gamer. I do not like playing with other people. <laughs> so the idea of playing an MMO means I have to play with other people and I really don't want to do that. Yep. You and me are in the same boat. I do enjoy the occasional multiplayer game with friends, but uh, as soon as you mix in complete strangers, it's like, ah, I'm good. You know, you're just yeah. inviting drama at that point, and uh, not even just drama, yep. but just annoyance. <laughs> Makes me sound like an old man. No, but... I, no, I have, I, I, I can tell you horror stories of playing uh, Call of Duty and listening to whiny teenagers scream at their mother over Mike. I, I I just I don't need any more of that in my life. I think where I lost, I I can pinpoint the exact moment where I lost it, and it's uh, where I lost that like want to play online games, um, with with strangers. And it was uh, it was PUBG, and it was the first time playing it. And not only did it run terribly on my computer, but I didn't mute 
the 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 lobby and this is early access so like of course it was enabled by default so we get into the lobby in the airplane and it's just a hundred people screaming uh and it's just noise and it was just like it, it was such a oh it was the worst yep. so um yeah i ever since that moment i'm like nope give me a closed off world with you know four of my closest friends i'm good with that so yep yeah i just and I know it's gotten better. I know it continues to get better and people uh, learn to behave and there are tools available to mute and ban and report. I think all that is great, um, but it's it's just, uh, I don't know. I have limited time to play games and I know my comfort level and that's kind of where I'm at uh, with that. But Lou... That's our news for this episode, but uh, as teased earlier in the episode, we have a really fun movie to talk about, so let's get to that. you couldn't tell from that clip that is the intro to evil dead rise uh we hinted at it earlier in the show is probably like sets the tone really well with the with the intro uses the rise part of the title uh very well and the late intro uh the late title card just perfect for this film uh even if the start to the movie is is a very direct nod to the original uh well all the Evil Dead movies, except for, I guess, Army of Darkness that came before it with the sort of cabin lakeside scene. Um, but this specific one, Evil Dead Rise, a twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh possessing demons, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. And uh yeah. Not since Resident Evil 7 have we seen a family so deadly. So, Lou, um, where did you want to start with this? Did you want to start with the with the intro and the nods to the original Evil Deads? When it began, I wasn't sure if it, this was going to be a flash forward or a flashback. But uh, I liked the fact that it was that when it ends, they kind of let you know that it was like 24 hours before what we were going to experience in. Uh, the movie yeah and again it it all feels very very original evil dead i was very happy with it i was like oh this is kind of cool i like what they're doing uh, this is clearly not going to be our main characters but we're getting like a little five minute vignette i can take this um it was good i was curious as to how they were going to say that the darkness the the evil spirit ended up in the woods so we'll get to that at the end i don't want to i don't want to share my thoughts on that yet mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, that intro scene. I I even question like, is that the cabin? Like the original cabin? Then I realized no, the original cabin is very much more it's rustic. Gone, I think. Yeah, well, it's probably been <laughs> destroyed several times. I I think well, like I believe the original cabin was almost half built by the original cast. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, this cabin is so it's it is really much very much a sort of a nod to the original films. And I thought that was a really interesting way of having that nod while still being allowed to set the film in a completely different setting that we've seen uh, in previous Evil Dead films, because like Evil Dead one, two and then Evil Dead, not again, but Evil Dead, the same title. Those were all at the cabin setting. Army of Darkness was obviously a time travel uh, set piece. And I don't remember enough about Ash vs. Evil Dead. I think they do go back to the cabin in that one, too, for, for some stuff, if if I remember um, correctly. Yes, I believe they do, but I believe it's like one episode. Yeah, I do remember that. So, like, this one is is set in an apartment building, uh, I, I believe, in Los Angeles. Um I was a little confused. I thought it was New York for a bit, but then there was the earthquake. No, no, and no. Like, I, I knew it was West Coast as soon as the earthquake hit. Yeah, yeah. So when the earthquake hit, it was like, oh, wow, okay. I was like, no, wait, yes. It, it, LA, West Coast. So, like, yeah. So the intro was a really nice touch to kind of like set the scene, give us some Evil Dead right away. And um, you're not quite sure, as you said, you're not quite sure whether it's like, are these characters related to the characters that we know are going to be in the main film? And we can touch base on like how it kind of bookends the film and wraps around near the end. But uh, the movie really gets going when there, there is the, there is the earthquake. Um, and we're, we're introduced to our characters, this family that's kind of uh, is in a very rocky patch. The sister comes home. Uh, she's pregnant and she's going to ask her sister for advice and for help. And we learned that um, the family's struggling all on their own, like the, the, the father's left. And um, they send the kids to go get pizza while the sisters sort of chatted out. And then there's this earthquake. And then they open it, it opens up this hole in the bottom of the apartment building, uh, the, the parking complex. And this movie features kids, right? Like I would say like you've got two teenagers and a young child. It's kind of how I place them age wise. Um, yeah. And you have that moment of like one of the characters, there's a hole here and I see something underneath. And it's like, okay, I know you're not supposed to climb into mysterious holes on a good day, but you're definitely not supposed to climb into mysterious holes after an earthquake. Like that's just, yeah, you're going to get crushed. But he, uh, the reason I, 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 they explain it away because he looks down in the hole and he says, hey, I think this is a vault. Yes. What if yeah. there's money down here? Yeah. So when they... he said that, I, 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 when he said that, I was like, you know, this is a very clever way of them of explaining away why he would go down there. They're about to have their house demoed. Dad just ran away and mom is struggling. Aunt's struggling. They, they just went out to get pizza in their crappy car, you know. What if I was presented with the possibility of a ton of money? No, that's you true. Know, yeah. I, it might make me think twice. Once I got down there and saw the creepy stuff, 
I'd have been like, no, nah, I'm leaving. Yeah. You wouldn't have grabbed the the book uh, with a bunch of teeth and clearly like that's uh, not no. leather. No. Okay. No. Um, that's a smart move. Yeah, no, but but that's a good point. And I think um, I'm glad you mentioned it because it does kind of because the issue with all horror films, all films in general, uh, and we've talked about this with The Walking Dead, is that the genre treats kids like idiots uh and occasionally leaves doesn't leave an explanation there and it's like well we need them to make a mistake i know get the kid to do it we can always write that uh, that in that's no problem and i mean lou and i are are both raising kids at this stage and uh they're not stupid they're smart um they will make mistakes but they're not oh oh yeah no they're not stupid yeah i'm learning that real fast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and honestly like um it's just it, it kind of feels like lazy right like don't get me wrong like there are people that make mistakes there are kids that make mistakes it happens but i love the way i'm glad you brought it up because it really frames it in a way that's like okay i can see that and if they they are about to lose their home and they really set that up as like we have to move but we don't know where we're going and we're kind of left like optionless and now clearly like the mom can tell, like I can tell the sister you're here because you need help. And like, we can't even help. We're struggling to help ourselves now. So, right. And I got the sense that the kid that, that went down there, he was the oldest or, or maybe yeah. like close in age to He's the, the uh, oldest. Okay. Yeah. Then that makes sense too. Right. He probably feels like a sort of a responsibility there. I get that. Um, but uh yeah they he he grabs the stuff uh he he grabs like some records um and he grabs the book of course now lou like let's talk about the book a little bit uh a bit here um uh this book in case you were wondering the book of the dead so that's the the book of the dead um there are multiple books of the dead that's kind of what i i didn't realize there were multiples but I, I feel like it probably would have been established before this that there were multiples, like, because uh, it's all kind of connected, right? Like, it's n- these films don't exist outside of themselves, do they? Like, it, you know what I'm saying? I don't think they exist outside of themselves, but I think that was a clever way of them hinting at a sequel. Right. Yeah. It just felt like, uh, because again, like if these films all exist, like the original Evil Dead's, uh, I don't know where they're. I actually don't know where they're set, to be honest. I believe I'm probably going to be wrong because it's been a while since I've watched the original movie. Um, I believe the original Evil Dead was filmed someplace in Michigan, and I think it's supposed to take place near there. Like it's not. They're not trying to tell you it's the West Coast or they're not trying to tell you it's the East Coast. It's kind of somewhere in the middle of the country. Yeah. So it's an isolated cabin in rural Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. And in this one, it's the West Coast. And we've kind of seen the East Coast. I mean, Ash versus Evil Dead. At some point, they end up in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting part here is that like when they set up the fact that there are multiple books it allows them to have the franchise kind of exist as one timeline and be like, okay, because they, they established that this book was buried uh, since the early 1900s. Like that's kind of the, I I think 1920s. 
um, buried in L.A. They built an apartment building on top of it. Um, so it's it's interesting. I think that's a fun way of like, OK, we're not going to retcon the rest of Evil Dead, but we are going to set this up as like separate from the other films. Um, right. And and they don't really address like I don't even think they address it. They there's no specific references or um, I don't even think like press on the press junket. Like there was no specific talk of like this is the new Evil Dead. Like no. And and I think even the Evil Dead reboot from like 2012, maybe 2015. Can't remember which one which when that released. I feel like it was early 2010s, honestly, because we oh, were doing the show. Yeah, it was 2013, and I think that one even, uh, wow, it's crazy to think that this movie is 10 years after the last one, um, but I yeah, feel no, like we that talked one. About, we talked about that in one of the first, probably first 20 or 30 episodes of this show. Yeah, yeah, and that one was supposed to be, again, part of the franchise, because you do have um, Ash Williams showing up at the very, very end uh in the post credit scene so like it, it's all connected it all exists and i and i think that's the right way to do it yeah they, they, it's a very different film but you do, it doesn't have to be the same you know exactly exactly so i really appreciated uh that approach um i thought that uh obviously we know from the trailers that the the mom is infected first and I got to say this, like, it's been a while since I've seen an Evil Dead film. And just like when I watched um, the return of the Jurassic Park films, I was I was thinking to myself, like, wow, like these are deadly films. Like when you get infected, you're toast. Like there's no coming back. Nope, you're and dead. You're, you're, you're dead. Like essentially it. Well, as the recording said, it rots you from the inside and then you you you're done. You're you're no longer uh, there. And I don't think like. And I don't think they get into the idea, at least in the movies, don't get into the idea of like what happens to you. Like they always hint that your soul is being tortured in hell. I'm sure the TV show gets into it a little bit more like um, because they did they did kind of explore that a little bit. But yeah, I forgot how deadly this stuff is. And, you know, everybody dies. Everybody dies in the movies. Everybody. Everybody dies but Ash in the in the in the original movies. True, that's a good point. Yeah, like it's just and it's kind of wild because like again, these aren't adult. They, these aren't just adults that are in the film. Like there are there are quite a few kids. Uh, no, you know. my my first my first thought when the movie began and they started introducing our main cast, I was like, oh, there's the so- oldest son, middle child, daughter. Mm-hmm. youngest daughter we've got mom we've got two guys out in the hallway and then we meet a third guy and i was like yep there's a third guy and then we meet uh the sister who comes and i was like i've already seen her holding a chainsaw on the trailer so i know she's gonna make it to the end of the movie at least i was like yeah. all right so i said i said i do they do they dare to kill the youngest child no, I don't think they'd do that because I think that would I think that would ruin the movie if they killed the youngest child. What are they going to do? They're going to kill every one of these kids off. They're going to they, they, and I and lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. I I, yeah. I I knew as soon as it started rolling, I was like, "Yep, he he's the first one that touched the book. He's dead. 
then the the other daughter was kind of like uh, kind of annoying. I was like, oh, she's gonna die too. The, the, I was like, they're gonna let the youngest kid in the in the in the sister survive. You're right. In terms of like crafting a film that people aren't gonna hate, you you do have to have uh, you do have to have the you youngest have child. Do, survive. You have to do you have to do one of two things. You have to kill the child early in the movie as like the first death to shock you. Yeah, the Last of Us uh, setup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to do that, or you have to do it at the very end of the movie as like a a a a a, a thing to talk about. And I didn't see them killing the kid off as the kid kept getting away and kept getting away and just barely dying. And I was like, yeah, this is gonna end with them getting away. It can't end with end with them die with the, the youngest daughter dying. No, you and I and I think that's also a staple of all the Evil Dead films is that someone at the end of this always walks away. Uh well you it's usually Bruce Campbell, but <laughs> in this case it's not. I have only one kind of gripe about the movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that is when the kid finds the record in the basement of the church and underneath the thing, and he's playing it back. And it's the, 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 the guy reading first. It's the first, there's three records. And the yeah. first record is him telling, like doing like a, 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 he's the gathering of priests and he's explaining what he's found and what he wants to do. And people basically telling him, don't do it. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay. And then the second one is him recording him actually reading from the book. And you're like, oh, that's not good. And yeah. then the third one, and this is the only plot hole I kind of saw in the movie. Maybe I missed something that explains it. But he says, and I quote, I dismembered them because I thought that that was going to be the thing that stops them. And it does. It didn't. Uh, he goes, and then he goes, he goes, so I thought if I chopped them into smaller pieces, like that would help. It didn't. I don't know of a way for me to get rid of them. And I can feel it coming for me now, too. It's only a matter of time. And so they never explain how the records got made, why they were locked in that basement. How did they stop it the first time? You know what I mean? It's implied they didn't. Well, where have the where's the where's why has it all been in this basement for the last however many year hundred years or whatever? Like it was my only loophole it was my only plot hole in the movie was I was like, how did it get there? If he the, if the guy recording it is telling telling the the listener, I can't stop it. How did it get there? Somebody yeah. had to stop it. Well, I would imagine. Uh... Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I'd imagine, like, the the haunting would cease, but we don't get that sense from the cabin. The cabin is always, like, a hot spot. But my thought was, when they all started preaching, screaming, Dead by Dawn, which was an awesome throwback to um, Evil Dead 2, um, I thought, well, they're all saying Dead by Dawn. Maybe it has, maybe at, by, maybe once Dawn approaches, they'll all, it'll be over. But then I was like, but that doesn't make sense because then how did it get to the cabin the next day? Yeah, I think that's just the ghosts or the spirits bragging, right? That they're going to kill everybody by dawn. By, yeah, by dawn. Uh, yeah, that's um, I mean, like you can hand wave it away of like, OK, he made the recordings. The recording survived. Someone found the carnage and was like, OK, 
we need to lock this thing up. Um, but you're right. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a loophole. And I have some other issues like with the recording specifically, like we talk about, uh, yeah, we talk about characters making stupid decisions. Our main character is listening to the third album with headphones on while the haunting is taking place. And her, uh, nieces and nephew are being attacked um and she can't hear it and she can't hear it being killed really i think i think uh the the oldest gets infected at that point i thought that was like a a bit of a bonehead move but i understand she's kind of like trying to figure out and she's realizing like oh shit like there's no way there's no way that we can survive uh we're gonna have to fight our way out to just get away um but, uh, you know, in the early parts of the film, like we talk about the recording and I, and I had already played this the book of the dead. and I meant to look up his voice cause it sounds like the dude from game of Thrones. Um, the guy who's walking around with, uh, Daenerys, uh, early, early on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know the guy's name, but it super duper sounds like him. And I meant to look it up earlier and I will pull it up. I don't know if I'll be able to find it because it's like, what's the oh, character's I can find name? It. The last thing, the the last thing I was looking at was Evil Dead Rise. I'll find it in like two seconds. Oh oh oh! No, that's the other guy. I was gonna say like, that's that's Mister Fonda. I was like, oh yeah, it kind of looks like him, but it's not him. Um, but anyways, uh, the uh, that's the Bruce. There's a Bruce Campbell um, uh, cameo in those recordings, and honestly, I heard it and I'm like, what? Who is that? Sounds super familiar, but it's not like a legit, you know, Ash Williams, Bruce Campbell. He's doing, I don't even know if he's doing a bit of a voice, but he's like doing a, a bit of a, um, at, well, here, I'll play it for everybody. Like that's not the Bruce Campbell we usually hear, right? It's a little more serious. It's a little more, um, nuanced. It's not as animated, I guess. Uh, but I was trying yeah. to figure out the priest's name, as you said, like it's not in the credits. Yeah, uh, it could be. Yeah, it's likely uncredited because it's um, yeah, just a Anyways, recording, just a recording. But it sounds super familiar, but I don't know. Um, it, we uh, we also early on. So, Lou, I, I, I capped this just so I could get your opinion on it. Uh, how many of the Friday the 13th? No, 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 not Friday the 13th. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Have you seen them all? Yes. Okay, well, let's listen to this and then get your opinion. Mom's on nights and we're watching all the Freddy movies in a row. Even the shitty ones. There aren't any shitty ones. Lou, are there any shitty ones? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the oh, right yeah. answer. There are some bad oh, ones for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, there's some shitty ones. Yeah. There's some great ones. There's some really shitty ones. <laughs> yeah. I knew I knew you and I would you and I would see eye to eye on that one. Um and uh, of, this is a bit of a, a, a bit of foreshadowing when um, the the sister uh, sees the book for the first time that the, the kid stole. It's probably been locked in that vault forever. Yeah. And weird shit like this gets locked away for a reason. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Put that back. Do not read from it. Do nothing. I mean, if you're going to sell it, like sell it. Don't uh, don't 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 open it. Uh, but I did like the idea and I, I think this is something we talked about when uh, something I saw in the, in the, in the press junkets where instead of the, cause the, the characters reading the book 
uh, again goes back to like a bonehead horror movie uh, mistake. But he doesn't read the books. He plays the recordings. And the recordings are there as like a um, sort of a scientific documentation thing. If I remember correctly, that's what triggers the original Evil Dead. Is he finds an old an old recording of the professor and the professor explaining that he read from the book and it possessed his wife and he was stuck out there and she's coming for him. And that's kind of where the recording ends. And you never find out what happens to him, except it's surmised that he's dead. And at one point, that's when you find out that she's in the basement and Bruce Campbell has to go down in the basement. Huh. Okay. Interesting. And I mean, that I, I think that makes sense because it's like, again, who's going to read from the book willingly uh, when, when you see the pictures? I mean, uh, or not just the pictures, but you just see the book in general. And it's like, there's something about this that just screams, do not read me. Um, so I, yeah. I thought that was a good approach. Uh, I also, and then we, you know, we get a bit further in the film, you know, the mom is possessed and she's kind of like coming in and out. Like she's still in there. Like she's not dead yet. And I thought there was a, I didn't clip it, but there's a moment where she says to her sister, like protect my kids. Cause like, I'm not, this is not me anymore. Like I, it's inside me. It's infected me. And I really felt like this movie, Evil Dead Rise, has been the closest we've seen the Evil Dead franchise kind of approach the zombie genre. Like, um, I know we all, we kind of consider all of them zombie, you know, zombie, you know, adjacent. But I think this one specifically really, really played into the zombie genre. Like when people, I know they were infected and turned before they're dead, truly dead. But like they really leaned into it in this film, like where, where when characters died, they would come back um, in various forms. There's a moment in the movie where the brother and the sister are dead. And our main character stabs the, the mother in the face with a pair of like giant scissors. scissors. Yeah. And they get out into the hallway and you can see the aftermath of all the dead bodies in the hallway. And she's trying to, get the 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 padlock open on the um i think it's the basement that being the stairwell door or something something's padlocked shut and she's trying to get it open there's an apartment that was empty that has the fire escape yeah 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 and um they uh you can see the flickering light and you're waiting for something to appear behind her and it doesn't happen and i thought that that was really clever because it felt like they were trying to trick us into wait, the light's going to flicker, and then you're going to see a body there. And that does eventually happen, but it doesn't happen until a bunch of other stuff has already happened. And they already know that something's there, and then all of a sudden you see somebody behind her. But um, in that moment, you see people coming out of their apartment as zombies. You see somebody getting up off the floor as a zombie, uh, the dead. And they're all walking slow like zombies. They're not they're not crab walking like the mom was five minutes ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In that moment, you go, oh, this is a zombie movie. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So and, you know, one of the trademark uh, things about Evil Dead is is the way that the I think they call them deadites kind of. Um, well, the way they talk and the way they kind of, you know, terrorize the living. <clears throat> 
And of course, of course, I grabbed some uh, clips. So I've got some clips here of uh, mom, uh, mostly. And uh, yeah, so here's the first one. It's uh, 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 it's just labeled mommy. So let's see what this is. Mommy's with the maggots now. Oh, yeah, that was super creepy. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to talk about this a bit. The, the Discord was saying, like, oh, Ryan's really going to hate this film. And um, I think I made it worse for me by watching it with headphones um, so that I could clip some stuff or make it easier. Usually I'll watch it in the living room and then I'll write down timestamps and then I'll, I'll go clip it later. But I decided to try to save some time and, and clip it while I was watching it and just kind of moving back and forth in the timeline. And, Do you regret uh, yeah. that decision? I don't regret it because it allowed me to get more clips. But in the moment, I'm like, the, the sound design for this film is just so freaking yeah, good. The sound, the sound on the movie was excellent. Yeah, like they nailed it. Um, no issues there. The music, the score, um, uh, all the sound effects, just the grossness. Um, part of it's my TV. My TV is not great with with dark with dark images. Um. But also, my only gripe with the film was that it was really dark, and some of the things that were I was supposed to find creepy or scary were so dark that I was like, "Yeah, I'm not really scared because I can't really make out what's going on." Right. I didn't. Um, I didn't notice that because again, like I was watching it on. Um, I was watching it on like a monitor, so it was like really heavily backlit. So like it it was. Uh, it was w- well lit for me, but I could see that like, you know, the Game of Thrones issue of like, if you don't have your TV calibrated just right, you know, you're not seeing enough of the image uh, within like a like a darker scene. Like it's there's not enough of a light source there. So I can definitely see that. Um, I can see that being an issue. Uh, but uh, like we said, like the sound, I think, plays a big part in 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 the horror of this film. Uh, there was a moment where, um, the mom was outside the door trying and, and playing up, like trying to, I knew this was going to happen in the film, but trying to convince the kids to let her back in because, oh, it's mommy, you know, and, and even played up the bit of like, oh, dad's back and we're going to be a happy family. Let us in. And I, again, I, I felt like that was a believable moment of the, the youngest, you know, kind of falling for it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't, I didn't blame the movie for it. I thought that it was still it made sense for the characters, but yeah. uh, it also gave us this. Do it for mom and dad. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, there's a moment where she makes it. I think this is before this, but she's in the house, and uh, yeah. Who wants to run next? Eni. Meanie. Miney! You. And I I think that gives you a really good, um, that, that clip there gives you a really good uh, uh, example of like what happens when you're taken over and it's kind of like multiple personalities within, like that's the Evil Dead trademark of like you're possessed by the spirits but like you're kind of all one and you're many at the same time like it seems like there's a lot of spirits sort of fighting within uh the deadites that are sort of there but uh 
it's just it's so wild because like again in in horror films sometimes specifically possession there is this like hope that you can be saved but like evil dead doesn't have that like when you're possessed you're done you're done you're never coming back the only person i think that ever gets away with it is ash yeah he cuts his hand off right but then the hand goes nuts right and that's part of evil dead too but like this is the thing like you have the mom who's possessed and i think it's made at least for me it was it made the movie that much more chilling because it's like it's your mom running around doing all this terrible stuff and it's family like you're all family you know and even like neighbors like i would even like you got the sense that they were a close-knit community so it was just it, it was made all the more disheartening when like shit was going down um and then and then the kids start to get infected uh, and and we got this uh, again. We talked about foreshadowing, but we got this good callback. Told you, you should have put the book back, Danny. So yeah, should have put the book back, Danny. Um, her character getting infected, and I like the way they kind of called back to like what was going to happen to the character by like showing the book sort of like flapping to the page that would display yeah. like what was going to happen. And hers was like some sort of like worm infestation in in the stomach, and uh, yeah, it was it was bad. But it, her her character as a dead eye had a lot of interesting visuals, specifically like when she was like wrapped up in the blanket and kind of floating around the apartment afterwards. Um, I thought that was like again like a really interesting set piece, and. Uh, it kind of brings me like to the discord saying like, oh, Ryan's going to struggle with this film. And I, and I wrote down what I struggled with. So, and Lou, this probably isn't going to surprise you, but there's a, there's a moment with the fly on the eye when the mother, they assume she's dead. And there's like a literal fly, like crawling on her eye. That oh was- yeah. I, well, as soon as I saw the fly, I was like, oh, I know the gag they're going to do. A lot of horror movies do this. This has become a trope now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like the flies is crawling across the body as if like, oh, yeah, it's uh, it's a they're dead. And then they blink and it's like, oh, no, they're they're not dead. Um, But like the big one for me was the eating uh, glass part where. Oh, um, that was gross. I loved it. it. I loved it. But it was like, oh, you're you're making sure I know this kid's dead. Yeah. Saving it. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't clip, uh, those moments. And, and I mean, the character says like, I'm trying to kill the thing in my tummy or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was awesome. That was one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah. And you know, like most of the time. It's funny too. Cause I won't lie. I'm not usually into body horror or where like somebody is like gouging themselves. Like it's not a, not a thing I enjoy. In fact, in the in the first remake of Evil Dead, when the girl splits her tongue open with a knife, I can't watch that. It makes me queasy. Oh, um, but um, like that. There's that, but the 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 chewing glass or something like that that doesn't bother me. Uh, when I was very 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 little, there was a movie with um, uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, it's called uh the dogs of war or something like that. And he's a mercenary and he needs to get a guy to talk and the guy won't talk. And 
he literally smashes a bottle and shoves the broken glass in the guy's mouth and then slams the guy's mouth shut and the guy's mouth's full of blood and he goes, now are you going to talk? And the guy garbles out the answer that he wanted. And I was like, so watching the kid chew glass and swallow, I was like, ah, I've seen that before. Yeah. And, but in this case, it goes a step further because like it has. Oh yeah, she swallows it. She swallows it. And then it, then it goes a step further. It shows the glass moving down her uh uh, her throat and and then it's yeah. like piercing and it's like ah, ooh, i just i don't even want to yeah, talk yeah. about it oh it was bad and those that's that specific moment with with that character dead i um also she uh she takes a cheese grater to her aunt's leg and again like i i normally have a troubling time with cheese graters and just thinking like man like this this would hurt and that scene has now probably ruined me for life uh, and cheese graters. So I'm glad I have one of those, like, um, I have, like, a Tupperware s- cheese grater where you, like, you, you load it at the top and then you just, like, crank it. So, like, I'm good. I can throw out my, like, traditional cheese grater without having an issue. Like, I'll still have shredded cheese in the house, but still not great. Um, but I'll say this, like, in terms of uh, a really, really cool set piece that fits Evil Dead and fits the the horror aspect of it was the elevator near the end where the aunt and the youngest daughter are tra- are trapped in the elevator. It's slowly filling with blood, which, again, is like a traditional um, sort of Evil Dead trope of, like, just blood. Lots of it. Also, it, also it's kind of a... The the scene where they get to the bottom and the elevator doors open, yes, and all the blood pours out. That felt to be like a callback to um, the Shining as well, where there's yeah. the elevator full of blood that opens up. Uh, like this movie is full of like the movie is full of things that will make you think of Evil Dead, but there's so many other horror tropes in this that I kept seeing stuff and being like, oh, that reminds me of X, Y, or Z. Oh, this reminds me of this other thing that I saw once. Oh, that it like like. There's, there's kind of a little bit of a homage to set ideas in horror. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I loved. And again, like falling elevators, uh, the trope of like, how do you survive a falling elevator? And I thought like filling the elevator with a viscous blood, blood type liquid and then having the characters survive, having that visual of the doors opening and the blood just like rushing out like you need to get your characters off the top floor. Um, it just really, really, really worked. And I I loved that moment. I thought that was such a cool moment and earned um, uh, from the film. And uh, I mean, like, I'll say this, like, I really before I watched it, I was like, they really shouldn't make an Evil Dead movie with kids like little kids. I thought that was a mistake. Uh, but now that I've watched it, I'm like, I still don't like it, <laughs> but I realized like it wasn't a mistake. They made a good evil dead movie here, even though you've, you've put, you've put kids in danger. Right. Um, it just goes to show that like the curse, the, the, uh, the book of the dead, you know, cares not for age or anything really just will terrorize all. Um, but, uh, you know, as a parent, uh, I really loved uh, this line here from the youngest. And again, goes to show kids are smart. No matter their age, they are very smart. Uh, and this line was perfect. 
is what happened to Bridget and Mom gonna happen to us? I'm not gonna let that happen. I promise. You'd be a good mom someday, honey bath. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. You know how to lie to kids. <laughs> oh, man. Perfect. Um, and uh, I do have one more clip, and it's, uh, again, kids, uh, you know, kids are smart. Mr. Fawn does kitty hides up there sometimes. I don't think it's a cat. So even if even if it is, like, yeah, they don't think it's a cat. Like, no, it's probably uh, the monsters, you know? So kids are smart. Um, but yeah, uh the the one the one other thing i wanted to say uh, before we wrap up is uh the one thing i feel like and we i think we talked about this pre-show maybe we talked about the very beginning of the episode but i i think it's a good way to cap it before we talk about the bookend is uh what's missing from this film is an evil dead movie or an evil dead entry in the franchise uh and i feel like both this and the 2013 movie struggled with it was the fact that it's not it's missing the comedy and the silliness of the original films. And I think we can, and Lou, you, you had sort of pinpointed that like, it is the fact that Ash Williams isn't in it. Like they don't have a replacement for that character. And I don't think they can. I, the trying to, if, if you make remake evil dead and you make a new Ash character or style character, and you add some of that comedic effect, it doesn't feel like an Evil Dead movie. It will feel like you're trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. And I don't think that that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, and again, it still, it still stands as a criticism of the film. And I, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I have a solution to like, how do you, how do you incorporate? There what is, is none. Like there probably isn't. You're right. And if they tried, we'd quickly realize like, oh, this is why they haven't done it. And they they lean into the horror of it and it fits within the genre that is that how the genre sort of works right now with, you know, set pieces and um, gore and just like unsettling moments, <laughs> which we there was a lot in this one. Um, so I think that. I think that all makes sense. And again, we always have Ash versus Evil Dead if we really do want that like old school Evil Dead feel. And I think even Ash versus Evil Dead like tried to introduce the silliness through other characters, but you always had Ash there too. Like, so it didn't feel like you were, I don't know, imitating. It just felt like more like a more silly uh, environment, I guess. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, the, the, don't get me wrong, there's still comedy here. And the Deadites play uh, somewhat of a role in it. Like, I think the mom is the only one that kind of gets the Deadite sort of silly silliness. The rest are sort of like, oh, I guess there is some from the kids who turn into Deadites. But like, yeah, it's just that was my only criticism as I feel like uh, it's missing that. Uh, but I don't know how you I added think some, it. I think some of the dialogue was supposed to make people like me laugh and it did. But I don't yeah. think it made people like you laugh. No, there was no laughing. I I I I giggled hysterically when they all started shouting "Dead by Dawn." Yeah, 
And that's a callback for you, right? Like, I don't have that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have that sort of. Um, I didn't even realize. I mean, it sounded familiar, but I'm like, oh, that's a cool callback. If if you're saying, yeah, Evil Dead Two or whatever. Um. But yeah, no, I I thought it was a really good movie. I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we got around to it. Uh, we watched it the year it came out, so that's something, right? Yeah, no, and 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 I'll, I will bookend our conversation like this movie bookended. Uh, a girl walks out of an apartment, goes down in the basement, gets in her car, is completely oblivious to the thing. She sees the aftermath of the 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 carnage that happened in the parking garage. And she doesn't just get in her car and leave as fast as she can. She gets out and looks at it. And then, boom, we see the spirit come down and possess her. And hence the opening scene of the movie. Yeah. I actually what didn't mind I that. Wanted, uh, you know what I wanted to see? And this is just me. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm twisted. I thought a better ending would have been instead of seeing the spirit come down, I would love to have seen a hand come out of the machine and run along thing style and <laughs> jump in the back of her car. Oh yeah. Like a piece of, uh, that final monster survived the yeah, wood chipper it survived and it jumps out of the machine and it runs off and it jumps into the backseat of her car before she, before she leaves. I think that would have been a better, better ending. The, the, the imminent, I can't see it spirit coming down and getting her Eh, that's tropey as trope. That that that's tropey as all hell. I think a hand climbing into the back seat would have been a nice homage to the original movie, and I think it also, I think it would, it would have been that sense of humor thing that the movie kind of needed. Yeah. No, I I think that would have uh, that would have made for a tighter ending for sure. I agree with you there. Um. But yeah, like I think the idea of bookending the film is a really cool way to sort of like wrap the movie and give us some different give us that different locale at the beginning. Uh, And it makes sense like an apartment building is very busy. You have these characters and and I actually like that the character got um, got out of the car because I was kind of thinking to myself like, is she just going to be oblivious and drive away and not recognize like the carnage behind her in the mirror? Cause I thought they were going to do the vanity thing. If she like moves the mirror to check her makeup or something. And, and it, and it did look like they were leaning to that. And then she gets out and she's, she's possessed. But I, I like the idea of like, you know, a hand sort of surviving the carnage and, and then living another day. But, uh, uh, I, yeah, I didn't mind the ending. I, I was worried I was wondering like how they're going to tie it in, but because it's an apartment building, it kind of makes sense. Like you, you would have plenty of folks to, uh, to infect, you know? And, um, but yeah, it's, it's a good movie. I'm glad we watched it. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, I know it's been on our list and we meant to get to it and there's not many zombie films, but, uh, I say that you say that, man, I have a book full of movies for us to watch. I know you have you have a back catalog for sure. And there's lots there's lots to there's lots to watch. There's lots to discuss. Um, But we aren't we aren't actually looking at that list for our next episode. We're actually going to be talking about Resident Evil Death Island, which is the uh, CG film with all the original Resident Evil characters. Uh, So we'll be talking about that uh, on our next episode. 
And then we will likely check in with uh, Daryl Dixon and his uh, European adventures. So that will be premiering September 10th. So we'll have a few episodes uh, to discuss uh, from its six-episode season. And um, yeah, as we rocket ever closer to ZAMP 300, we're almost there. We're going to hit it by the end of the year. So uh, look forward to those fun times. Um. Lou, uh, for folks at home, if they want to join in on the conversation, you can go to our Discord, bit.ly slash Zamp Discord. I also want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Zombies Ate My Podcast for all the support. You can visit our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com, for show notes and all our previous episodes. Send us an email, and we may read it on the show, info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at our Murphy, Lou at Busy Zombie Lord. And don't forget to follow the show at Zombies Podcast. And finally, a quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the podcast artwork. Find more of his great work at joelduggan.com. This has been Zombies Ate My Podcast. And as always, we close out the show with some fine zombie knowledge from the Busy Zombie Lord himself. Take it away, Lou. When you have a recording of Ash telling you, don't do it, don't read the book. You don't read the book. Destroy it! It's called the Book of the Dead for a reason! Yeah. Destroy it. Destroy it with lasers. That's another thing that I gripe me about the movie is, you know, it's called the Book of the Dead. It seems to be causing all this chaos. Why didn't you burn it? I don't know. <laughs> Start that stove and throw the book on top of it and let's get the hell out of here. Wasn't it immune to fire? Didn't, didn't they try that? Maybe they did and I missed it. Not in this movie, but I think they've previously tried it. No, uh, Ash tries to burn it and it, it ends up getting pulled out of the fire. Well, hey, if folks are still listening, we're still here. Yeah, if you're still listening, Ryan and I have a little treat for you. Yes. Uh, there was a big video game that came out early August called Baldur's Gate 3. Lou and I are both playing, and I figured, hey, rather than our 30-minute pre-show uh, where we talk about what we're doing in our lives, which includes this video game, this massive video game, I figured, hey, let's take 10, 15 minutes to discuss a little bit of it in the post show. So folks who aren't interested in Baldur's Gate three, you've already left. Cause you're like, Oh, what's this? Um, I got my zombie fix. I'm out. But for those who are playing Baldur's Gate three, want to know her thoughts. Thought this would be a fun little, uh, post show. So Lou, I'll start with you. I feel like, uh, I feel like I've been talking a lot. So how, um, how are you, where are you at? Uh, we'll keep spoilers to a minimum, but where are you okay. at in the game? How are you playing it? I just finished the goblin camp and okay. I'm and I'm looking to find my way to the tower. Nice. Like I'm literally looking for the entrance to get to the tower. To get to to Moonrise Towers, right? Yeah. I was trying to find the under the 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 underdark path and it's my only gripe what my major gripe with this game is they don't do a very good job of telling you where the hell to go. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that too. Um, I this is such a large game that I have kind of thrown away my like misgivings of like googling stuff because I'm like I'm gonna play this once, 
I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm not going to be frustrated trying to like find everything on the map. I'm going to Google it if I'm lost. So that's how I've approached it. I have a question for you, though. Sure. What class are you playing? So I'm playing a bard. Uh, I wanted to be as sort of unique as possible. And I felt like, you know what? In these types of games, you don't often get to play as the bard. You're usually a warrior or a wizard or a, a, a hunter. Like you're, you're never this like character class that like just doesn't really fit, but fits within Dungeons and Dragons, which is the bard class. So that's what I'm playing, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying uh, the bard class, um, and all all the origin characters that you you know you recruit along the way have been have been really awesome. Uh, what class are you playing? I'm playing as a ranger. Nice. Yeah. And the bard is very ranged too. I don't ever play as rangers, but what I was making my cla- making picking what I was going to do, it seemed to have the balance of everything I wanted. I'm not regretting my decision, but I feel like I'm missing out on some of the game because some of the choices because I'm a ranger are kind of like, oh, I can make the same choice, but because I have a different thing or a different skill. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating my time with the Ranger. I'll probably finish it as a Ranger, but I'm definitely considering the possibility of dual classing later on. Yeah. Uh, and that was the other thing with the Bard. You, I love um, conversation skill checks uh, in any RPG. That's my favorite way to progress the game is to have like these moments where you can like, usually it's, it's a tied, to, it's tied to the charisma attribute, you know, Fallout, yeah. Skyrim, Mass Effect. Um, and I love that aspect. So I know the Bard class has a lot of those uh, perks uh, and those bonuses to your charisma. So like that for me was like a big, critical thing in choosing my class because i'm like okay and this is before i even knew that you could basically talk your way out of uh like 90 percent of 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 stuff you know um the way the game is designed is that and the way not even from a dungeons and dragons standpoint but the way that you're set up as the protagonists and the way that the bad guys are set up like you're kind of you're kind of part of both worlds you're part of the big bad, but you're also trying to the, you're, be the you're trying guy. to save yourself, but you're, you're the good guy. Um, and I love the way they set that up. Cause it allows you to talk your way out of everything. Like you can talk your way out of entire boss fights. Um, you can, some of them, some of them, you can progress through a lot of like what would normally be okay. Let's engage with, you know, these five enemies, then these six enemies. Now we're inside. We, we're going to, you know, you're going to do a bunch of combat you can kind of just like infiltrate and walk around and it makes sense from a, from a design standpoint. And I really dug that. And there's like literal dice rolls as you're doing skill checks. Um, yeah. There's a dice that, that rolls on screen, which again, no idea. I will, going into I, will, this. I will tell you now, cause you, you and I, I don't think we've ever played Dungeons and Dragons or anything together. Um, I am notoriously known Amongst my friends, whenever a dice is involved and we're playing a game, I am known as the guy that you don't want to have roll the dice because it's always going to get a one. <laughs> and yeah, and 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 Erica has played games with me, but she's never played stuff like this with me. And there was a moment where I needed to convince somebody of something, and 
like my chances of success was like I needed a five or higher and I pushed the button and the 20 sided die rolled and out came a one. And so I hit the X button and used one of my rerolls so that I could do it again. I hit the X button and I got another one. It took me four rolls before I stopped getting a one. And my <laughs> wife looked at me and went, you must be the most unlucky bastard in the world. Yeah. No, and there is uh there's luck protection in the game, which is enabled by default. So eventually you you're gonna you're gonna get a better roll, but um some folks turn that off for uh not me. Not you. I, I need all the help I can get. Yeah. Um so where I'm at in the game, I've progressed uh through the game quite a bit. I'm in act two right now. And I got to say my favorite thing about the whole experience is the conversations. Um, I remember reminds me a lot of Dragon Age Origins, which is fitting because Dragon Age Origins yep. uh, made by Bioware was sort of their follow up to their uh, to their literal Baldur's Gate games that they made Yeah, uh, when they lost the license and they kind of decided, well, let's make our own uh, Dungeons and Dragons adjacent uh, system. And my favorite part about that game was progressing through the story, having conversations with your companions. And this one has that to a crazy degree where like you do anything and like you talk to all your characters, they all have something new to say. And the visuals in this are just stunning in the sense that like in normal gameplay, it's kind of like it's mostly zoomed out. It's like an isometric feel. But then when you have conversations with any character, it's, Zoomed right in traditional gameplay. I have a question for you, though. Yes. What are you playing it on? Uh, I'm playing it on uh, my PC, and I've dabbled on the Steam Deck. Okay, because I'm playing exclusively on the deck, connected okay. to my TV. Oh, okay. And I will say, And I will say this. You are getting much better visuals than I'm getting, and God, do I hate the controller, the control scheme, but I'm making it work. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I did dabble with the controller and I know folks who are playing it on PC with the controller and I'll say the one thing the controller has over the keyboard and mouse is the direct control of your characters. By default, you have direct control of your characters with the with the thumbstick. So when you move, the character moves um, with mouse and keyboard. It's a little bit more of a weirder implementation for direct control. You have to like hold down the mouse and drag to have your character move. Uh, but there is click and, you know, um, point and move uh, controls as well. That's the main way of moving your characters. But uh, I do miss that direct control. Uh, but you're right, on Steam Deck, like, it's Steam Deck verified, but you can tell the Steam Deck is, like, struggling with oh, it. Oh, I've, I've had it crash on me a couple times. Yeah, it's a, it's a beefy game. Um, shouldn't um, it, surprise it, it, you. And, and, it, and it's buggy. Like even like there was a on the deck, there is a 50 50 chance when I load up the game and I press the A button to get to the menu where I can pick continue where I left off that the, the, the controller won't even connect. Yeah. And then I have to hit the 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 Xbox logo to bring up the Steam Deck options again. And then there's a 50 50 chance that that doesn't load and I have to just get up and hard boot it. That's happened to me enough times that I'm like, really? I experienced that with uh, with the controller as well because I was I was trying to see how it ran on the Steam Deck and I did run into that issue um, where it felt like the game was 
such a resource hog that it was like it, it didn't load the controller input. <laughs> so I had to, I had, and I couldn't even get, um, and I had it docked. I couldn't even get it to recognize. Uh, I had to actually like restart the, the Steam Deck to get it to recognize the controller. Right. Um, but like that aside, like I haven't had any issues with it running on the PC. Um, I'm, I'm about 50 hours in, I'm really enjoying it. The combat took some time to get used to. It's a, it's very complex. Um, oh, see the combat was nothing for me. I got it as soon as I started playing. Oh yeah. But I play a lot of, I play a lot of, I guess, I think they're called computer RPGs that feel like this game. So I mean, I've played through Pathfinder Kingmaker. Uh, I've played a bunch of Pathfinder uh, 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 Wrath of the Righteous. Um, uh, the prior games that this team made, which are... Um, the hell is a series of games Divinity. Called? Divinity. Yeah. I have played Divinity 1, and I watched... Uh, I had a roommate play through Divinity 2. Oh, um, so I I understand 90% of what's going on in this game. That's not an issue for me, um, combat-wise. But my question for you, sir, is have you got a romance going on yet? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the developers weren't joking in that uh, when they said that this game, the characters are uh, very interested in each other. Uh, especially yes. early on as you because I play positive right like I'm a positive person when I play the game I'm I'm uh, usually choosing the options that are uh, the most positive dialogue options like hey we're we're gonna be best friends um, there's no it doesn't seem to me like there is like friend options uh, when you're engaging with characters if you're being nice to them like you know, choosing all the nice options, uh, it, it usually leads down the romance. That's been my experience. It leads down the romance uh, trail. And you you end up having to, like, have to break it off with them. And I haven't had any, like... Mass Effect did this really well, where, like, you didn't have to romance all the characters to get sort of buddy scenes, right? But, like, I haven't seen any, like, buddy scenes, like friend scenes in 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 Baldur's Gate 3 it's it's usually uh just been what is like the romance so you can like romance all the characters and see a lot of those scenes in your first playthrough if you want to and there's no um there's no repercussions until you you do choose to settle down with somebody I think there is a point where you like you make a choice right later on in the game but yeah, I haven't noticed any like, you know, me and me and Carlac are best friends, right? Like I haven't go- yeah. I haven't seen those scenes yet. There's obviously like some com- you know, um uh what are they called uh uh companion quests, I think they're usually called yeah. where you do have like a specific quest you're doing for that character. And there's some like you're, there's some friendly dialogue there. It's not necessarily like a romance option, but I have noticed that a lot of the character interactions um do lead down that romantic path, which is fine. Uh, I just, I wish that like when you decided you don't want to go down that path with that character, uh, then there is like another, you know, path of like, you know, like mass effect. My favorite relationship was like between Shepard and Garrus who were just like the bestest of friends, you know, 
that was really cool. And I haven't, I don't, I haven't gotten that from this game. I don't know if you, maybe I'm, maybe I'm playing wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Like, have you noticed any different? Uh, no, but uh, what I've noticed is I don't talk to my party members very often. Oh. Um, I don't, I, I, I or at least I haven't, but it became, I was warned ahead of time because I have a friend who's playing this as well. Um, and he literally messaged me and was like, so I want to warn you. I saw you playing. I said, yeah. He goes, be careful of, uh, what's the wizard guy's name? Uh, Gale. Gale. He goes, be weary of Gale. And I was like, why? He goes, I thought I was just trying to be Gale's friend. He goes, now I'm locked out of all these other options because it says I'm in a romantic relationship with him. Oh, he goes, yes. and I don't know how I ended up there because I didn't make any choices that I thought meant that I was in a romantic relationship. Yeah, well, it was, uh, it, it's specifically in that goblin, par- like after the goblin uh, camp, there is this party scene and you can talk to all the characters and um, I talked to Shadowheart first and and then after that, when I talked to everybody else, everyone was like, oh, so you and Shadowheart are, are getting close. And I'm like, Oh, well, I, I mean, I just talked to her first. Like, I mean, <laughs> wow, word travels fast around this camp. Uh, <laughs> like everybody in camp made a reference to it. And I and again, like a game that has all these infinite amount of choices and, and uh, things that affect each other. I talked to Shadowheart last. Yeah. When that happened. And I was like, and, and then I remembered what my friend had told me about Gail. And I said. Yeah, let's get this romance going with Shadowheart uh, fast. I don't like any of my other options here. I don't really even like her either. Like here's the, here's the thing. Um the that goblin party, like after the goblin camp, the party that you have, I hadn't recruited all the characters that you could get in act 1. I didn't have Will or Carlac. So I I honestly feel like I was missing parts of the game. Um I have gotten some scenes with Will, but I haven't gotten any scenes with Carlac. I feel like maybe I didn't, I didn't uh, address her issues from act one until act two. So I missed that opportunity to sort of progress her story in act one. And I wonder if that kind of locked me out of some options. It might have. It might have. And that's fine. I will say this this right now. Uh, Who is your part? Uh, I'll ask you this question. Who's your main party? Uh, well, Shadowheart's always in there. I've set her up as sort you of need like, a heal. You need a healer. Yeah, yeah. Need a healer, and I also really like Shadowheart. But yeah, healer. Have and you, she's... have you, have you, have you, have you reclassed anybody? No, no, I, I haven't done that. Look, I'm not. Um, I'm terrible at like researching and reading these types of games. I, I just prefer to like play the game. So, I am too. I, I I usually just stick with whatever they assign people and whatnot. But I was advised that that Shadowheart as a cleric is okay, but a paladin does almost as much healing as a cleric, and it makes makes her a better fighter. So reclass her as a paladin instead of a cleric. So that's what I did. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like um. With with Shadowheart, I had someone say like, "Oh, well, you have to use like these specific skills." I think it was like Spirit Guardians, which has like a a bunch of rotating 
guardians around you and it's like an aura effect and it does a lot mm-hmm. of damage and basically makes act two super easy because there's a lot of undead. Um, and then also spirit weapon, which is a bonus action and allows you to summon uh, an additional sort of weapon to, to that has its own initiative and, and turn, turn. Uh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and that really helped, but um, Shadowheart and Shadowheart's always in the party. I always try to have Carlack in the party because I love her. She's awesome. Like anytime she anything talks, that, anything that means that I don't have to have the green chick. Yeah, she she grew on me, and she's really cool. So, um, Lazel, uh, there, it, it's slow going with that character, but she does. Um, there are moments later on in Act One and early Act Two where it does it does change in a way that's like, okay, this is interesting. Like, honestly, I feel like her story as it progresses, if you lead down a specific path is the more interesting of all the stories, you know, cause her story specifically dealing with the, the Githyanki, I think is, is the name of the race. Um, they are so different than anything else in, in the game that, uh, they're they're to me they're the most interesting and like their specific scenario and issues that uh, evolve over over the game have been um i'm interested to see where they go because it feels like world changing in terms of like what they're setting up uh in terms of what you can do uh so she's she uh she grew on me pretty quick and um but yeah in terms of the party Shadowheart, my main character carlac and then that third slot, I usually just swap in and out uh, depending on story. And because there's a lot of story that will occur depending on what characters you have Ooh, with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I will like, for example, right now in act two, I'm I'm in in and around Moonrise Towers. So there's a story reason for Will to want to be there. There's a story reason for Shadowheart to want to be there. So I try to like make sure my party is representing who wants to be there. You know, yeah, um, yeah. that's sort of how I roll. Uh, what about you? Do you have uh, some favorite characters that you have uh, running with the, you at the moment? At the moment, I'm pretty much kind of in the same vein as you. As I use, um, I never used the the vampire dude. I could care less. I like him, but uh, I dropped him pretty early in the game, and I, <laughs> I just for- I, I've I've really forgot how how he works. But uh, I brought him out a couple times in Act Two because, again, like. His story um, gets going a bit in Act Two and is and is interesting. And he his presence in the party has a real uh, story effect in in Act Two. Um, and I get the sense like again, like you are very encouraged to return to your camp, long rest as much as possible. It is odd that they tie like a resource to the long rest with the camp supplies, yet they want That's you to long rest. That's kind of annoying. That's kind of annoying. Yeah, it is because like the developers are out there saying like for story reasons and bug reasons, we want you to long rest as much as possible because it kind of cleans the slate and can help with bugs. Um, But they tie this resource to I haven't had an issue where like my resources were zero and I couldn't properly long rest. The long rest is key for you to progress, you know, your story with your party members. Um progress the story with uh with the the dream walker person 
So there's a lot going on in those long rests. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm really enjoying it. I, uh, I'm struggling even to talk about it. Cause I'm like, just makes me want to play it. <laughs> it's already quite late, yeah. so I won't be able to play it. Yeah, no, but, I, I probably won't play till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm loving it. I've, I've been, like I said, I've got 50 hours in, I am worried <laughs> what I'm going to do when Starfield comes out. Cause honestly, I, I do want to try Starfield, but like Starfield is likely to be like a try and put back on the digital game pass shelf as I return to Baldur's Gate three. But, um, yeah, it's a really great game. I'm sure Lou and I could talk about it for. <laughs> oh, I another... could talk about it for hours and I'm on, I'm not even out of act one yet. Yeah. But we should end it there because, like I said, uh, it's late and um, it's just going to make us want to play the game. And we can't play the game because it's late. No, but, no, it's yeah. late and it's late and I'm going to an amusement park tomorrow. So, ooh, yeah, it's a long weekend here in Canada. So we are same here. Got plans. So, uh, yeah, look forward to uh, well, look forward to more Zamp in the near future. We already discussed uh, what we were going to be covering. But hopefully you enjoyed this little snippet of Baldur's Gate 3 talk. And um, yeah, you'll hear from us very soon. Have a good couple weeks. And uh, yeah, go play Baldur's Gate 3. It's really great. Absolutely. Do it for mom and dad.